was pressed, but he did not crack. Say, my Savior did not crack under pressure, and neither will I. Neither will you, neither will I under any pressure. He's in Gethsemane, and I'm just going to pass by this um, to get to where we're really going this morning in this short message. The kids want to stay in, so I promise to be short so they could see some things that might stick to their bones. Come on, somebody. Visuals that you see always stay with you. And uh, Jesus, Pastor Hank, come on down here between Debbie and, uh, and uh, Dana. Yeah, like Anna. No, you're good. Yeah, I got it. Okay, good. And don't you love Dana and all the other musicians and singers that have joined us to help us and the pastors? So appreciate it. Jesus was in Gethsemane and so many people to come across him, but he is alone. In times that you are pressed but not crushed, you will find yourself feeling alone. At times when circumstances, in times of pressing, you come to the Father not with liturgical great words, but you come every morning with the same words if you're like me. It's me again, Lord. I got nothing new to report to you. The same pressing that was going on yesterday is going on today. I've got no new internet news, no new flashes. I've got nothing new to say to you, but it's me again, God, coming to you in times of pressing. You don't see the 5,000 that you fed by the sea. Come on, somebody. You don't see the people. They were not in Gethsemane when the food was gone, when the free fun was gone, when the miracle was not being seen. The 5,000 that my Jesus had broken bread and multiplied the fish were not with him in Gethsemane. You could scan, you could scan that crowd of those 5,000 and you wouldn't come up with any. In fact, the 70 elders that went out and in his name cast out demons and in his name healed are not found in the moment of the oil press in Hebrew. Oil press is Gethsemane. They were not found in his moment of pressing. They were not there. But somehow, we think you and I are different than Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, we're not. We're not. He was the Lord. Jesus is there. But the Bible says that in the time oppressing Jesus came to the three and he said I must go further he asked them would you not tarry with me one hour would you not pray with me would you not take this time and see with me let me tell you something right there what's going on Jesus goes back three times to see if they will stand with him so don't feel so bad if you keep going back to the people you think should be standing with you right now and they're not. Don't feel bad if you keep looking for people that used to be with you and they're not. Even Jesus, the son of the almighty God, went back three times to see if, if little John, if Peter, if they were with him, if James, if they were standing with him and they weren't. But guess what? He was not alone because the spirit was with him and the angels from heaven were with him and when you are being pressed, it is the blood of Jesus. You will never be crushed because he was crushed for you at Calvary. And he come on somebody. He will send angels and the Holy Spirit to get you through. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. It's kind of like when you're having a baby 
you know, and uh, my husband didn't do this. I ain't saying my husband did this, but you know, it's like a husband coming and reading the, the uh, strip that tells you when your contractions are coming. They're getting stronger. They're getting stronger. They're getting stronger. I don't need anybody to tell me that the pressure is getting stronger. I need somebody to read the ticker tape. If you never had a baby, there's another sign down that ticker tape that says the contractions are getting less. You can breathe now. What I need is for the word and for people to stand with me. Oh, sometimes people said we had a baby. We didn't have a baby. A woman birthed a baby out of the womb. Come on. This is not against men. I'm making an analogy. It takes two. And my husband was with me the whole time. He even was with me when my head spun around like a scene off the exorcist. Come on, somebody. When he was rubbing my back and this little Holy Ghost praying, he says my first language is tongues and I get in there going to birth my child natural. I've told Moses, I was going to birth it natural. Pray in the spirit the whole time. Prophesy to the anesthesiologist. Sing the Psalms of glory and let Abraham just sh shake his groove thing right in the labor delivery room. About the time we got to six, I couldn't see God. I didn't know where God was. My husband was rubbing my back, praying for me, and I said, God, where are you? He said, he's here. I said, God's not here. God's not anywhere. He backed away from me. He looked at the nurse. He said, you better go get the anesthesiologist. I have never seen this side to her. This is a Holy Ghost field praying woman. I've never seen her head spin around like a demonic off the exorcist. You better get medicine. You better bring Demerol. You better bring a hammer. You better bring a chisel. You better bring whatever you need. Come on, somebody. But it was up to me, men and women, man and woman, create a child. But it is basically up to the woman to push it up. And it's their baby. But in the spiritual realm, nobody can push your baby out but you. In the spiritual realm, no one. People say, oh, I'm with you. Here's a card. I'm, I'm praying with you. I'm, when you come to my mind, you know what? In pressure. I don't have to wait for it to come to my mind. It is on my mind when I wake up in the morning. Come on, somebody. My pressure is on. You can text me. You can email me. You can check in with my contractions. But the bottom line is I can't forget to pray for me in pressure. I'm saying, God, you either got to fix this or you got to fix me because it's climbing up the ticker tape. The contractions are stronger and stronger. If you don't birth what you say is a new season, a new glory. I don't think I can stay on this table any longer because the pressure's pushing me in. But God said, hold on. Joy is coming in the morning in the presence of your enemies. I will bring glory and favor. Somebody give God a shout of praise in this house. We even, he even told his inner circle, stay with me. Oh, everybody wanted to know Jesus in the power, Pastor AC, of his uh, fellowship of, uh, help me, pastors, his resurrection. There you go. Everybody wanted to be with God when he resurrected. That's where we are eh, as the modern day book. Very simple and a great read. Are you a fan or a follower? Talks about. A fan says, I'm with you, Jesus, when you resurrect. I'm with you, Jesus, when it all looks good, when you're bringing Lazarus out of the grave. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Go. Yeah, I'm cheering. I'm laying out. I want my picture made. Facebook, pose with me, Jesus. Look who is with Jesus with Lazarus. 
<laughs> who was tagging him on crucifixion day. Oh, we loved Mel Gibson when he came forth with the passion of the Christ. Oh, Mel's in our camp. Put him on every network. Mel belongs to us. Yes, Mel, Mel. Go, Mel, go, Mel. You can tell I used to be a cheerleader, sorry. Go, Mel, you're with us. But the moment he drowns his sorrows in alcohol, oh, we don't know Mel. No tagging of Mel on Facebook. No saying that Mel just produced. What we should have done is prayed Oh man, it's getting all up in here. We should have prayed for Mel when we saw the passion because you can't birth a baby like that without being assaulted and attacked and lied about and persecuted and chased. Well, no, we were too busy. Mel, oh yeah, Mel's with us. But the moment he makes a downward spiral, the church walks off from him. I don't even know if the Catholics stood with him. All I know is I still pray for him because that is one of the most holy pieces of work in this century, if not the holiest. Holiest. You know, we've shown on Easter many times and used it in mag magnificent ways. The same thing, no one tagged Jesus at crucifixion. Sometimes in pressing, before we get to this table behind me, we just need you to connect with me. I learned something from my husband who is a pastor's son and the most seasoned pastor I know and knows how to be with people. In the early days of our church, a woman coming back, we were Perry Stones in revivals and she got killed. She's one of our ladies. Her husband managed Lowe's. She got killed. She crossed the median, Linda Shelton, and she got hit. And we went to that night loaded with the other pastors in our car to go minister to Rick and his, and his son. Devastating. She was on her way to revival. How does this happen? She fell asleep at the wheel, had on her seat warmer and crossed the median. And we're on the way and I was just young. I'd been raised, but my father had been a bishop and my father and mother taught me in ways that just are astounding. But I, my dad had never served as a local pastor from the time I was born. He was always overseeing pastors. My husband was raised by a pastor. There's a difference. He'd been in the gutter with people for 30 years. And on the way to that house, I asked the head of all of us pastors, I was in the back row just sitting with the pastors. I was a worship leader here then. And I, I said, so, when I got out my notes, because you know me, I always want to have a little planned, prepared speech. And I said, so, Pastor Hank, what are we going to say to them? And what is, our, what is the reason this happened? What's the explanation of why this bad thing happened? And I'm going to write down what he said, so I say the wrong thing. And I never forget, with kindness and with wisdom, he said, put your pen down. There is no explanation we are going to give for this moment of grief. We are not going here, Rhonda. And he spoke to all pastors, did not put me down, but he taught all of us in that moment. We're not going to explain why this happened. Sometimes we avoid people suffering because we think we have to come up with an excuse of why it happened. You don't have to come up with an excuse. He said, we're going to have fellowship with Rick in his suffering. We're going to sit on the couch with him. And if you've never been in a situation with Pastor Hank, he is the man. Hundreds of people across the world will tell you, this is the man that sat in a hospital when their baby was born with tri-18 chromosome. This is the man that traveled an hour to go stand in court with him, an hour, another way to go stand, to stand. He didn't think he was a lawyer. He wanted to stand in the fellowship of someone suffering. You don't have to know it all to stand with someone in a hard place when they're pressed. They just want you to be with them. Come on, somebody. They just want you to be with them. That's what we say in times of pressing. I'm speaking to you before I get to the point that's about you, but people in your life that are being pressed, just be with them. 
just be with him. Can I go, can I walk out with you in the community? Can I be seen with you? Oh yeah, I love to catch someone that's really going through something, people trying to scorn, just walk with them right down through downtown anything. I just love it. I love it because it's been done for me. You see, to fellowship with someone suffering just means just sit with me, just be with me. Jesus was alone. Jesus in the oil press. But you don't have to be. He was alone by flesh and blood, but his father was with him. Under pressure, we have a tendency to reach back for things that used to work, and they don't in times of pressure. Times of pressure, we got to reach for some new things. But let me tell you something before we get to the main part of this where we're going to land and end. You are not the silver bridge. The silver bridge was built by man. Therefore, it did not hold up under pressure. You were manufactured by the great I am who created you in your mother's womb, who has fit you rightly in Christ Jesus, who has built you according to the word. You are not manufactured by no man, no man built you, no man constructed you. The word of God, the blood of Jesus saved you and the word of God and the blood of Jesus will hold you up under any pressure if you depend on him. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Because his grace is sufficient for you. It will hold you up under any pressure. I don't know how much more of I can take, God. Oh, many seasons of my life I woke up. I know you've done that too. Many of us are there right now. I don't know how much I can take. And he says, my grace, you are not the silver bridge. You will not break. You will not crack. Christ did not crack in Gethsemane. Christ did not fall underneath the pressure of being falsely accused and scoffed and stoned by the religious and hurled upon a cross. He did not crack. He upheld his destiny through pressure and his benefit in the presence of his enemies was on an early morning when Mary came to the tomb and found that the stone had already been rolled away. His presence, his blessing in the presence of his enemies was on that day when the stone was turned, the ground shook, he resurrected, and the words became life. Oh, grave, where is thy sting? Oh, death, where is thy victory? He swallowed it up. He fulfilled his destiny. And whatever is written upon your life as destiny, whatever stone that God is trying to roll away through the pressure in your life right now, your testimony will live oh bridge of the most high God and people will walk across you as ambassadors of Christ reconciling men unto God and there shall be a harvest somebody give God a hand clap and a shout of praise pressed but not crushed Psalms 23 he has prepared a table in the presence of my enemies God calls us to be favored. He wants to favor us. He prepares a table and he says, I want to favor you. But what he neglected to tell us is that he gave an invitation to our enemy too. We hear the word favor and we think party favor. I think the way the body of Christ is manufacturing favor in this day, I don't completely agree with. Favor Nothing go wrong with you. 
best house, best car favor. You'll never go through a trial, doo I just made that up. Okay, somebody give me a hand. That was, that was my trying at a commercial jingle. Party favor. Wear the hat. Favor over here, favor over there. We think, my daughters are humiliated. We think, I've humiliated them in greater ways before larger crowds. It's all good. We think favor is one thing. But he says he sets a table in the presence of our enemies. It's amazing about our shepherd as he sets a table. The beautiful thing about a shepherd, the word anoint, the first time it's found is in Psalms 23. He anoints my head with oil. When you studied a shepherd with his sheep, Pastor Hank has one of the most powerful messages on that many years ago. I was reflecting on the last couple days, but they, the shepherd takes the oil and he rubs it into the sheep's ears because he can favor him that way. He rubs it to his ears and then the shepherds would take some of their own fragrance, cinnamon, cassia, something that was totally symbolic of who they were. And they would rub these sheep down so that if, if sheep wandered off from the flock and from the shepherd, another shepherd might pick him up and say, oh, this is, this is Jonathan's sheep. He wanted his sheep to smell like him. The shepherd would anoint the ears. He would go deep, young people, into the ears and in here because there was these insects and these pests that would climb on sheep's feet. Let me tell you this morning, I forgot my shoes and my earrings this morning, and I went shopping in the boutique. How do you like these shoes? That's what that boutique is for. Fond Hope House and buy yourself some clothes. Anyway, we would anoint, he would anoint the sheep's feet because the insects would climb up the feet all the way up and get on the sheep's ears. And if the insects buried themselves deep into the ear canal, the sheep would lose his ability to hear the shepherd's voice. The sheep couldn't hear the voice of the shepherd. What does Jesus say? I am the good shepherd and my sheep, what? Hear my voice. You see, insects want to get in to your mind. You want, the insects want to get in. And when you see the enemy sitting there at your table, you want to ask, what did I do wrong? Like the Hope House girls last asked a couple weeks ago about some bad dreams. What did I do wrong? I said, it's what you did right, baby. You start pressing toward a higher goal. And you see your enemy there and all of a sudden those insects, the voice of the accuser says, you're not deserving to sit at this table. You must, the fact that I'm sitting here, you see like Haman, the enemy thinks he's been invited to the table to be honored. He's been invited to the table to be dethroned. He's been invited to the table to watch you get the blessing of the Lord in front of his very eyes. He's been invited to the table to see you partake of something glorious. But if those insects get into your ears, those cues you think I'm not deserving, I can't sit at this table because you know what's inside of you and it tries to make a burrow in your mind and what happens often to prodigal daughters and sons. They were once in the house of the Lord, 
But insects got in there. Insects of seduction, grief, depression. Begin to barrow into their ears and they can't hear the voice of the shepherd. And so they're wondering. And when I was thinking about the sin of the shepherd last night, lay while I was studying, I just thought, Lord, let them somehow, I have to believe like even the prodigal in the pig's pen. He must have tried to, in his mind, remember the smell of daddy's house. Remember the smell of daddy's house. Remember, I remember the smell of my papa's house in Mississippi. Sawdust. My daddy, you know, weak and pressure under ministry, would make that trip with us back to Mississippi to see his roots where he came from nothing. He couldn't wait to get in that house and hear A.B., feel A.B.'s arms around him as daddy and smell sawdust and biscuits cooking in the oven and gravy loaded with too much pepper that people should never eat. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and pork being fried up and thick old slices. Anybody hungry? on the skillet. Daddy couldn't wait to get back and smell that smell because when he came back to his daddy's table, he was a child again. When he came back to his daddy's table, and some of you weren't raised in homes that you don't even want to remember the smell, but you've got to remember the smell of the sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ as in the house of God. You didn't have those good memories. Those smells are not good. God is trying to create a new memory, a new legacy, a new future for you and your children's children. But daddy would always sit at that table and he wasn't bishop of the church of God anymore. He wasn't the administrator of the whole youth of the whole world. He wasn't state overseer. He wasn't any of that. He was A.B.'s youngest son, Cecil, who had been divinely healed by heart disease. He'd pull up, he'd eat that bacon. He and then Papa all began to fuss about women wearing wigs while my mama was sitting at the other end of the table with a wig on. Come on, somebody. We never told him mama wore a wig. She just smiled and agreed. He'd fuss about wig wearing. He'd tell, he'd tell me if you ever cut your hair, you're going to split hell hoping with a back broke. That's probably why I've never cut my hair and I keep adding extensions. I don't know. We'd sit there and Papa would get going and then he'd, get, and he'd go into the wee hours of the night and we'd light a kerosene because that's just what you did in the backwoods of Mississippi. You lit a kerosene, you'd see it. It was as scariest to a little girl. And we'd talk about the men of the, the horsemen of the apocalypse. And who was the red horse? And I was just sitting there going. <laughs> and then finally, Daddy'd say, let's go to bed, babies. And we'd all pile into that two-bedroom. I'd have to sleep with Mama Beulah or Mama Hattie before she went to heaven. Sleep with her while she snored big enough to raise a house and send it into Kansas. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but it was Daddy's house. He loved the smell of it. I'm praying that prodigals will remember the smell. Maybe they can't hear the voice of the shepherd. There's some prodigals I'm praying for that cannot hear his voice. Too much demonic activity. Too much insects in their ears. Too many roads paved with sin. Too many roads. But I'm praying that somehow they'll remember the smell of the sweet sacrifice of worship. The sound of grace being sung in the house of God. The sound of love that knows no limits and no boundaries. The sound of love that would drain an ocean dry if a scribe could try to pink, to write it upon scrolls. That they would remember the sights and the sounds and the smells of daddy's house. And they would hear the sound of the feet stomping of the angels circling daddy's house giving out the clarion call that says come home baby come home the Lord is calling you home somebody give God a shout of praise come on somebody for the prodigals give the Lord a shout of praise 
That time of pressing, he prepares a table. But he puts that oil under you. The last time that you felt the anointing, the last time that you worshipped, the last time that anointing came on your head, it was put there. The last time you were pressed, it was put there. So when you're sitting at the table with the enemy, that oil can begin to cover your head again. When the enemy tries to speak words wrongly to you, you're forgotten, you're forsaken. Why would God let this happen to you? That oil begins to drip down your head. In the ancient times, it was a hard stone. And a, you can go to Israel and see one of these like a volcano. Almost looks like, I don't know how to really describe it in layman's terms. But they would have an ox grind. There was three pressings. The first pressing gave the extra virgin olive oil that we use in our food. The second oil, the olive didn't even look what it looked like before it went in. Am I the only person? I don't look like I looked like 15 years ago. I ain't talking about the wrinkles, the crow's feet around my mouth that ask you if I'm smiling all the time. I'm talking about my spirit I don't look the way I looked 20 years ago when some of my promises cross this horizon and this dusty road I am not the same woman that prayed over them 13 years ago I've been pressed but not crushed you see the olive has a seed inside of it that presses up against the press it presses so the press the thing about it is though a grape if you're trying to make wine I was reading about this I've never drank wine I'm not condemning one does but we don't use substance in our house because we don't trust substance can I get an amen from anybody else but I'm telling you when they make wine I was reading from a wine it says that they don't trust the grape to a machine they only trust the grape to flesh and blood so that when the foot goes down to a grape when they feel the seed because you see they want sweet wine not bitter wine and they want sweet wine so when the bare foot comes down upon the grape when they feel the seed they know the grape has had too much and it's time now to bring the wine or the juice it's time now because we don't want to press so hard that the grape becomes bitter let me tell you something today you and I are underneath the feet of Jesus the great shepherd and when he presses on us when he feels that part beginning to get hard or he thinks that's going to get bitter he says that's enough I just want enough pressing for sweet oil to come forth I just want enough pressing for life to come forth I just want enough pressing that the beauty of my glory so when they receive the promise when they receive the glory they will say this earthen vessel the glory is not of me it is of you so when my promise comes home my hands not wrapped around it anymore through the pressing he put my hand off of the promise I no longer care what you name the promise anymore it belongs to God and God alone give him a shout of praise the shepherd let me see where I am because he didn't brand his sheep Isaiah 1 and 6 Isaiah 1 and 6 are we bringing any scriptures up Isaiah 1 and 6 I'm not giving you time but I want you to hear this the oil and Pastor AC if you would come and help me I'm going to give Matt a break and just play the keyboards behind me just make sure I can hear myself guys Isaiah 1 and 6 says it this way from the sole of the foot even to the head there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores they have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment look at me sounds real negative but what God is saying 
when you're sitting at the presence of your enemies. I'm going to get back up here in just a moment. When you're sitting at the presence of your enemies, that oil that covers your head, when you're saying, why has this happened to me? Why is my enemy, why is my fear? The first thing is, I have to face my fear. He's sitting here. He's sitting here. God set this table. But my enemy of depression, my enemy of financial trouble, my enemy of my past, my enemy, you, you feel this in. What is your enemy you feel like you're facing? Unanswered prayer, whatever it is. All of a sudden, I begin to hear the accusation says, you're not worthy. I got to face this fear and I got to sit at the same table as my enemy. I don't want to sit with him. I want this table. I only want to see angels. But he says, he sets the table in the presence of my enemies. And all of a sudden, I have to face those fears and I have to let that oil from the last time, the testimony from the last time. Today, it would be many things in my life, but let me use my marriage. Lord, I thank you when you healed my marriage. I thank you for the pressing that went on. Oh, Lord, I let the testimony of that speak right now to me. And I let the anointing, the oil. You can't see the oil, but it runs over my head. And it begins to silence and unseat the lies of the accuser. It begins to unseat the lies of doubt that says, God can't do this for you now. Whatever that now is. That God can't get you through this situation. Oh, it's not the same one as my marriage. What you need today from God is not the same miracle you needed before. But when you begin to let that testify in your spirit, the oil begins to cover your head. The glory fills. And all of a sudden, you realize He's pressing you because He counted you worthy that what's inside of you is worth being expressed to the world, Brother Matt. But the only way He can express it is to press you. So then that gift then your influence would go forth. Go forth. No favor ain't fair, but favor's not a day at the fair either. Favor is an invitation. We want favor, but listen to this before we come to our ending illustration. We want to worship like Mary of Bethany, but we leave our worship with our alabaster box still intact. We want to say what favor it is, but ask Joseph what favor was. Favor was a pit. Ask Elijah what favor looks like. He had to sit at the table of a crazy demoniac queen named Jezebel. Ask Daniel what favor looked like. He had to sleep in a lion's den. Ask the three Hebrew children what favor looks like. Who would rather bow than burn? Ask Esther, the original Hunger Games. Thought of this girls last night for you. Esther, the original Hunger Games, who was offered up as a tribune or tribute to save her people. Ask her what favor looks like before you evaluate whether or not you're favored. We want to hear the fullness of God in a whisper, but we are satisfied with empty claps of thunder. We want to rule over Egypt, but we want to bypass the pit. We want the power of Jesus, but not the pressing of Jesus, but we will not be crushed. We want to be wise like Deborah, but we don't want to leave the shade tree and lead the charge. It's scary to travel in the presence of an enemy. You can only do it and travel when you know greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. If God be for us, he's more than the world against us. By this I know God favors me. He did not let my enemies triumph over me. Somebody give God.
shout of praise. So that oil in a moment, we're going to come down here and worship in this closing moment. Let me get a couple of notes and I'm going to go up here. And we're going to get in the anointing for a few minutes before we leave and allow that oil. Some people have some hurts and wounds in here. But here's the deal. You see what the devil doesn't know? Enemy, the Lord says, the reason I invited you to the table is there's an appointment within the appointment. There's an agenda within the agenda. The appointment is, she's not only going to get blessed, but I'm going to bring some healing through this anointing. I'm going to heal some brokenness in her. I'm going to heal some strength. So the shepherd invites, Haman was invited thinking he would be blessed. Oh, and the king says, what do you do for someone who's been so faithful? You see, the Lord comes bringing what is symbolic of my provision, my promise, my victory. I'll sit down a moment and eat it, but let's get a look at it. Symbolic today is roast beef and gravy, mashed potatoes cooked by Cracker Barrel. Come on, somebody. Corn and green beans and a hot buttered biscuit. I'm feeling the love. But this is symbolic of my provision, my answer, my breakthrough my promise I've been praying for for a long time God's glory in my life my testimony it's been put before me it's funny during the Esther fast last October a young man from Perry's ministry said we're called an Esther fast God has spoken to me we did it but the first day of the Esther fast at the end of October kneeling in this altar the Holy Spirit said Haman's gallows have been built over this church and you have been called three days to pray them down three days that they would not have their ultimate end i wept i cried there was two members over here I didn't tell me afterwards i cried so hard i couldn't breathe i prayed in the spirit for three days i didn't eat for three days i starved and there were several of us that did for three days i prayed because you see in all of our lives at different seasons haman builds a gallows to take you out but guess what the Bible says, King said, oh, it is not you who I'm going to favor. It is the one sitting right here and who he or she represents. In fact, Haman, the gallows that you've built, the gallows you've built to bring an end to your finances, your marriage, your ministry, you're going forward. Guess what, Haman? You're going to hang on the same gallows you built by your own hand because it's not by my, oh, I wish I had a friend. It's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. And the Bible says on that day, Vini Hafeshu is what the Jews say at Purim. The day the tables were turned. The day the opposite happened. So at Purim, you go today, they yell, Vini Hafeshu. They're saying the day that Haman sought to destroy the work of God, the plan of God, the family of God, the people of God, the future of God. But God came in and in the presence of his enemies, he turned the table and the opposite happened. God's people were glorified and Haman was nullified. Somebody give God a shout. Stand all over this building so you can watch. Just stand. This is my portion. He has prepared a table.
before me in the presence of my enemies. I did not want you here. I did never want to have to deal with you again. I did not want to sit with you, but only by sitting with you can you observe the chosen and the elect. Only by sitting with us can you see what Ephesians 3 and 10 says to the intent the manifold wisdom of God was made known by to the principalities and powers by the church. So only by you sitting this close to me can you see what he will do for his people. You have built your gallows. You have built your plans, your havoc. You have built your dark night secret adventures against God's people. But your plans, your plans will fail by the blood of the Lamb. Your plans will be discarded and burn up and torn up because God has chosen an open place. He didn't call me to a picnic. He didn't pack paper goods. He brought out the china don't you see he brought out the best because when he wants to bless me he didn't put it on paper plates come on somebody he didn't put it with paper knives and forks he didn't do it in a secret place too much of the church is wanting a secret place so the world don't know our past my God wants to deliver me out in the open so the world can see if I got through it they can get through it too if I got through it they can get through it. If he can give me victory, he can give them victory. Someone shout hallelujah. This is mine. This is my portion. This is my promise. And you thought the whole time I was alone while I was being pressed. I was never alone. My house, my car was filled with the angels of the Most High God. The Lord Himself had His hand on me. This is my provision. Now as you try, this is what I'm going to partake of. I entreat you to try to stop me. Someone just lift up praise to the Lamb. I'm done preaching. Come on. Someone just lift up praise to the Lamb. Come on. Somebody just lift up praise to the Lamb, the Son of Almighty God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He has prevailed. He has prevailed over sickness, over death, over accusations, over every attack. His angels encircle you. His name is Jesus. Jesus. Come. Come. Everyone come. Stand in these altars just for a moment. Team that can come help Pastor AC, maybe just Leanne and Leanne and Seth. We'll give the others a chance to minister. They've been ministering every Saturday night. Leanne and Seth and Candy and the drummer, if he's here. Come, just everyone, and stand for a moment. This place right here is a place. I'm going to leave them up here for a moment as a visual, and then we get into worship. Y'all can stay here if you even want to. I just think it's important. Y'all just stay here. You can leave in a moment. 
I want you just to worship. Let's just give us something, Pastor AC, that you can sing and worship. I want you right where you are just to lift your hands and close your eyes. I want you to be in his presence for a few minutes. As they worship, I just want you to reach up to the